0: Just so that it's on the recording, I actually want to read this, this word again. You know so cool about God? It's so cool that in a room full of people that God speaks individually, but yet, in the grand scheme of everything, all, how he's speaking to the body collectively is all together in unity. So I just thought it was amazing that some people had one word, some people had a sentence, And I just want to reread this, so in case you feel like you want to go back and listen to this, uh, you can do that. And so this is what the Lord said. This is a rhema word. What we're going to go into is the logos, which is the written word. But God speaks rhema, so that's what was spoken this morning. And it says, listen, to love is to live. Follow me in the Lord. Do not be dismayed. Be of good cheer. Worship me in spirit and in truth. I am your God. You are my children. I love you. I love you. Trust. Hope. Don't be discouraged. Don't look on the outward appearance. I am doing an inward work. Go. Cry out. I will answer you. Is Jesus enough? So you can take that, take that to the bank. We are going to continue on our sermon series from pew sitters to pillars. So, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, we do have a live event, so you can follow right along on the live event. You will have stuff right there. And um, and if you don't have a live event, if you don't have a smartphone, you don't not follow along with a live event. You can pull out your Bible. Who has their Bible? I just want to give you some props. If you actually brought your Bible, props, 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 props. Yeah, you guys get props. So. The majority of us, were techie now. I've got this on my tablet and on my phone. But for those who bring Bibles, much props. I love it. So we're going to be talking a little bit today about the four soils. And so this kind of comes along um, out of a few different passages of Scripture. It's out of Matthew 13, 1 through 23, Mark 4, and also Luke 8. But we're going to read 23 verses in Matthew chapter 13. Because I believe that when you come together and you have church, I believe you should read the word. So you can follow right along on your smartphone or tablet, or if those words are too small for you, up on your screens, hopefully you can listen. So here, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read all 23 verses. This is Jesus. He's talking here. It says, The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. which grew up and choked the plants. Still others, excuse me, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked. I love the fact that they were not afraid to ask. And I just want to go ahead and say this, kind of put this little insert. It's okay that if you don't know everything in the Bible— the disciples were following around Jesus and they had no clue what he was saying. So so it's okay, all right? But they're bold enough to say, Jesus, you're telling parables. We don't know a lick of what you're saying. Good thing because he explains it for all of us to understand what's going on here. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to them in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given much more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You will ever be seeing, but never perceiving. For the people's hearts have become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes otherwise. They may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I will heal them. But blessed are you because you see, and your ears because you hear. But I tell you that many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. If you go to another one of the passages, they straight up ask. They're like, Jesus, what are you saying? So it's pretty cool. This is what the parable means. Anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil, evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed fall among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, remember those two things, choke out the word, making it unfruitful, but the seed fallen on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that, God, that it would just, it would penetrate us. God, that it would just speak to us. Lord, we just thank you. God, as we break open this passage of Scripture, God, we want to have ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, man, I just love the fact that disciples, they ask questions. Don't ever, ever, ever feel like you can't ask questions. I believe our whole walk with God should be about asking questions. Sometimes people get offended, like, you should already know. No, we should all remain teachable. We should all remain humble, and and part of that is asking questions. Part of that is you know, God, you know, ask God questions. God, what about this? Do you think? I mean, God is not intimidated by, by our questions. And and if you ask me, I may know, I may not know, and if I don't know, I'm not going to pretend I know. If I don't know, I know that Frank will know, because he. I mean, we we always have used him as our Google source. For since 16 years of marriage, my wife and I. So if I don't know, you can ask Frank. I'm sure he probably knows. But you, we should always be in a place that we're willing to ask questions or or willing to get some understanding on some stuff. I love that. I love that the disciples were not afraid to say, "God, Jesus, why are you speaking in parables? We don't understand what you're saying. Just speak cleanly, speak plainly to us because we don't get it." Okay. Number one, the seed along the path. So we're going to break it down. We're going to be talking about the four seeds, obviously, and where they fell. Okay, the path is usually worn down because of so many people walking on it. I know this is a picture of a path that's like hard ground. But just kind of just kind of picture in your day where, um, or back in the day, where they they went around and they didn't have the nice huge things that did all of the farming. And they actually had little satchels with seeds in it. And they would walk and they would... They would spread seed. And so they didn't have concrete and all that other stuff. So they would have a path that was a dirt path. And so I'm assuming they had paths that went right alongside uh, where they were sowing seed. And so Jesus, speaking to people who understand farming, said some of the seed, when you're scattering it, falls on the path, the path that everybody walks on. So that's the seed among the path. Okay, It's usually beat down because people walk on it. Friends, understand this. Some people, when Jesus, when he... When he sows the seed into our life, it's on people that have been walked on, treaded upon, beat up. I mean, it's just, I mean, there are are some people that have just, the mess of life have just stomped and beat them down. And they've been trampled on. And so sometimes that's what happens. You know, Jesus is sowing the seed. It's just people that have, they've been beat up. People that have been abused. Okay, their hearts are hardened, they're packed down. And so when we respond to Christ, our response is, Allowing God to do this work where our hardened heart becomes soft. And so when Jesus is sowing seed, like a service like today, some people's hearts, they're like the seed on the path. They've just been beat down by, by the world. They've been beat down by life. They've been beat down by their families so much that their heart is hard, and so it's hard for the seed to actually go into the ground. Okay? I know nothing about, about plants. I, I don't even pretend that I do. All I know is I cut grass and I and when I see big weeds, I hit them with the weed whacker. That's about all I know. Okay, and I, I know there are some. Now my neighbors, we, we get these Hispanic neighbors that are amazing. I mean, they they are just phenomenal. They've got rose bushes and plants and and pots, and and so I I think I'm like doing well when I keep my grass cut at the same level as his and keep everything nice and cleaned and trimmed. But but when he cuts his grass and he does all those things, I mean, I mean he weeds it and all that I'm like man he just knows what he's doing I just know to cut grass and so that's what I do so so imagine this guy he's sowing this this farmer he's sowing seed some goes on the, on the ground and and so as it goes on the path people are, are trampling on it they're they're walking on it okay now the thing is now this is and then Jesus said he didn't just stay there this is what he says in in the parable he says birds come and they steal it okay birds come and steal and what is the birds represent anybody. The Satan, the devil. The birds represent the devil. Scripture says in John chapter ten, verse ten, it says, "The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full." Now I re- I, I remember a few years ago, and I just rem- and I just thought, why would G- why would the devil be so adamant to steal the seed on the rocky ground? Like, wouldn't he just let it sit there, it says that Satan snatches it quick. Why would he snatch it quickly? Well, he snatches it quickly because how many of us know that the word of God is powerful? The word of God is active. And the scripture says that in, a, in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29, he says, Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks rocks to pieces? So Satan understands the power of the word, right? Because that's what the seed is, right? It's the word of the Lord. It's the kingdom seeds, right, that are being sown. Satan understands that if it sits on the rocky path long enough, it's going to smash through that hardness. If it's sitting on there long enough, it's going to bust through that trampled ground. So Satan quickly comes and snatches it. It's like, I can't let seed just sit here because if it sits here long long enough, it's going to start doing something and I don't want it to do what, it, what it's going to do, okay? So, again, if it sits on, if, if, if somebody has a hardened heart, and they come to church, and they come to church, and they come to church, and they're hearing the word, and they're hearing the word, and they're hearing the word, friends, eventually, that hardness is going to bust. It just has to, because there's power in the word of God. Now, if it was just some book, if we were just coming up with some slogan or shenanigans, then it wouldn't do, it wouldn't do nothing, but friends, the word of God changed my life. It's changed the life of everyone in this room. And when we speak and declare the word of the Lord, friends, it busts through rocky grounds. So understand, it's powerful. And scripture says that that the hearts will mat, melt like wax before the Lord. And that's why it is imperative to get people in the presence of God. It's imperative to drag people to church if you have to. I mean, that's what happened. You know, I was unchurched my whole life. 16 years old. My parents went through a nasty divorce. My mom, instead of looking for another man, started going to church, and said, "You know what? You can come to church." And so I went, and here I am. So it busts through rocky, hard hearts. I love what it says. Uh, it says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. It says that it says, "I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove." from your heart a stone and give it a heart of flesh. That's what the Lord does. The Lord takes hearts of stone. Think of the hardest person. Why is it that criminals in jail are getting saved by the droves? I mean, they're the hardest person. You know, they got the hardest hearts, you know, murder, whatever, and because of the word of the Lord is so powerful, in their state of where they're at, it takes that hardened heart and turns it into a heart of flesh and softens it. How many of us know that God wants to touch the most hardened criminal? God wants to, think, of the, think of the worst person that you know. Maybe they're at your job. Maybe they live next to you. Maybe they're a family member. You know, you don't have to say their name, okay? Don't feel guilty that they was the first one to pop up in your brain because we all have one. <laughs> like, that person, you already know. You're like picturing them. That person, the, you know, the most wretched person that you could think of, God wants to get a hold of them. He wants to. The arm of the Lord is not too short. God wanted to, how many of us know that God wanted to get a hold of Pharaoh? Yeah, how many of us know that God wanted to get a hold of Hitler? How many of us know God wants to get a hold of Donald Trump? Okay, if if God, if if he has the heart of leaders, he has the heart of nations. So God absolutely wants to get the heart of leaders. That's why when you looked in the scriptures, and this is kind of off, off course, when the leader was godly in the nation of Israel, when you look in the Old Testament, the whole nation prospered. But when the leader was wicked, what happened to the nation? The whole nation turned wicked. They turned, they turned to idols. They turned away from God. So there's something powerful about having godly leadership. So just pray for your president. Pray for, every, just man, just keep praying. Pray for all of our people in, in D.C. and all that stuff because we need we need godly we need godly leaders. Okay, so this soil can. Uh, so then, that was number one. Uh, this soil can can uh, represent a person's first time hearing and responding to the gospel, and even after they have received the gospel during the growth process, it can become hardened. Do you know that that there there are people they receive the the gospel, and then their hearts get hardened. Hebrews chapter three verse seven through nine. You know and that's why it's imperative and I'm going to get into why we need to guard our hearts. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 and 13 says see to it brothers and sisters that none of you has excuse me that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So what is that? So so that means somebody that was turning to God at one point and then saying what turning away from him. You can't turn away from God unless you were first going in the direction of God because otherwise you were already turned away from him. Okay? Okay, Uh, it says, but encourage one another, excuse me, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Again, he's giving a warning to the body of Christ, to the people of God who love Jesus, who are meeting together daily, who are praying daily, who are breaking bread daily, and he's telling them, he's saying that our hearts can be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That means that there are people that love God and if, if they don't watch their life, the scripture says, watch your life and your doctrine closely in doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. If we're not watching our life, then friends, it says deceitful. Sin is deceitful, man. It wants to deceive. Kind of like what Jonas uh, preached uh, a month ago about deception. If we knew it was deceiving, then 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 it wouldn't be deception because it kind of comes, it kind of it eases its way in there. If you're a person if you're a person that's, that's been you know, set free from drugs and alcohol, you can't just go to somebody's birthday party and have one beer. You can't do that. If you do, one beer leads to another, and then you find yourself in the corner smoking crack again. Or you find yourself addicted to the drug. I mean, it just, you can't, what is that? It sin's deceitfulness. Well, I'm okay. I've been clean for two years. <laughs> Amen. You can't. Just say no. Just say no to drugs. Look at your neighbor and say, just say no to drugs. Just say no. Say no to drugs. The Israelites received salvation, deliverance, freedom from God. They saw and experienced his power and his presence. They sang, they danced, they wept, they shouted. They had conversion, they had emotion. But during the growth process, their hearts become hardened. They began to grumble and complain. Complaining always destroys an atmosphere of faith. If there's complaining at your home, that needs to stop. Complaining will always destroy an atmosphere of faith. So if you are the one complaining, then I give your spouse permission to slap you. No, I, no don't do that. <laughs> if you're the one complaining, okay, seek Jesus. You need, you need, to, you need some help. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, uh, uh, a few verses here. Hebrews chapter 3, oh, I already read that one. 12 and 13. I read the wrong one. That's okay. Uh, Talks about sin's deceitfulness. Okay. If you're good soil, protect your heart and remain good soil. Look at your neighbor say, remain good soil. Remain good soil. Protect your heart. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23, it says above all else. Say above all else. So that means it gives you that little phrase right at the beginning. It means this is very important. That means you might think that this is important. That's not that important as this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Or another translation uh, will say, for from it is the wellspring of life. So, one of the most important aspects of your Christian walk is to guard this thing right here guard your heart. Guard your own heart from what? From deception, from sin. Guard your own heart. I can't guard your heart for you. I can't guard my wife's heart. I can't guard my children's heart. It's my job to guard my heart. As a pastor, I can't guard your heart. You have to guard your heart. That means if you're a, a man, and you're trying to, you know, stay pure, then you need to guard your heart. If you're a woman, and you're trying to stay virtuous, you need to guard your heart. That You have to do that. Because what happens? When the enemy gets a hold of your heart, he gets a hold of your emotions. He gets a hold of your actions. Because Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart come every wicked thing, you know, and that's what Jesus said. So if he can get a hold of that, then he can get a hold of you. So guard that thing. How do you guard that thing? Fill that thing with the word. Put the word of the Lord in there. Be in a place where you are praying. Being in a place where you're constantly, like like Joy said last week, feed what you love, starve what you hate. Guard your heart above all else. It's very important. Too many people are deceived. It says, and then at times it says, many were deceived because they didn't guard their heart. So friends, guard your heart. Don't grow old and grow cold. Oh, man, that, that's, that's something that, that's a prayer that I pray over myself. Lord, help me not to grow old and grow cold. I want to be like one of those 80-year-old men if the Lord tarries, one of those 80-year-old spitfire preachers that's like barely can walk and still preaching the word of God. Right? it Like Sam. Like Sam. I don't want to grow old and grow cold. I don't want to say, okay, I'm going to leave that to the youngsters. No. I love what David said. He said, even when I'm old and gray, let me not stop declaring your power to the next generation. I want to be a man who who has fire all my days. And in order for that to happen, I need to guard my heart. Guard my heart from apathy. Guard my heart from laziness. Guard my heart from being lukewarm. Ooh, yep. Okay, let's continue on here. Number two. There's enough on that. I know I got kind of sidetracked there. Number two, the seed on the rocky ground. So we had the path, and then we had the rocky ground. And we're not talking about rocky. Do, 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 do. We're talking about rocky ground. I know rocky is one of my favorites. Jesus used the words like rocky, not much soil, shallow, uh oh, shallow, sun scorched, withered, sprang up quickly. The person received it with joy. It's good news. The word is powerful. It was received with joy. The person was healed, they were delivered, they received salvation, they received the goodness of God. They loved all the benefits of the kingdom. They were about it. Yeah, I'm I'm about it. Maybe they got baptized. Maybe, maybe you know, they started serving in church. You know, maybe they got involved and they got plugged into small groups the scripture says that it withered quickly you know i kind of i'm kind of reminded of and that's why it's okay peter he's like jesus i'm going to die for you he's like don't you understand son you're going to deny me uh here when the rooster crows but see, he had all this vigor and all this passion he's like don't you know i'm going to die for you he even pulled out the sword and cut off the dude's ear and he's like he's about it but then when the time came he what he did exactly what jesus said he denied him, I would say that obviously there was something inside of him that was shallow or something that didn't have strong roots. But then again, we see that Peter, you know, he obviously does a lot for the kingdom when you look in the New Testament, and not only that, he was crucified just like Jesus, but he, he uh, history teaches us that he says that he was unworthy to die in the same manner as his Lord and that they crucified him upside down. Wow. <laughs> So so he got it back together. Jesus said it lasted only for a short time. These are the people that are all about Jesus. They're all about serving. You know, they have a pep in their step. They're wearing the Jesus clothes. They're representing Jesus to their friends and family and their work and school. You know, they're inviting people to, ch- to church, but it's almost like a fad. How many of you guys remember those bracelets? What were they called? The, the yeah, what would Jesus do? Bracelets. Does anybody wear those anymore? It was a fad, right? New fad, uh, fidget spinners. Okay, everybody's doing fidget spinners. In a few months, those things are going to be done. They're going to be gone. You know, they're, you know, bell bottoms, that was a fad. Skinny jeans, oh, please, Lord, I'm never wearing those. I said, yeah, that's not a fad for me. Uh-uh, new. No. Fad. Okay, now they're like rolling up their pants. I, my, my wife saw this; she's like, "Oh, please, don't bring that back!" They're they're rolling back up their bottom of their pants. You know, I don't know, cuffing your, where, like, where you can see your ankle. If you want your ankles to be seen, wear shorts. So fad. <laughs> so some people, when they get saved, it's like a fad. It's only for a season. It's only short. You know, they they're into it, but then something happens, and then it the fad kind of fades. And so they're the ones that are at, at church all the time. They're, they're doing stuff, but then they start, in the, whatever happens in their life, and then you don't see them any longer. The seed is growing. They respond. They're teachable. They're excited. They have this new freedom in Jesus. But I have two words for you. Ready? Honeymoon period. It's like when you first get saved, or, or excuse me, when you first get married, and you're in this, oh, I love them. Oh, they love me. And you're like, all oh, happy and hunky-dory. But then all of a sudden you start realizing, here, I'm going to go ahead and say it, you know, that they fart in their sleep or that they, they leave the, the to- <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on, that's, that's real life right there. That's real life. Or you, or you start realizing that they snore or you realize that they leave the, the toothpaste cap off, you know, sitting there and some of it's running out you know, on the sink. I mean, there's, you know, there's those things that, that it just kills the honeymoon period, right? And so you have a honeymoon period where where you're all, and then all of a sudden, that person just starts annoying you. It's like all these little things. It's like, and then you're like, I I I never saw that they did that. I I, I never saw that they acted like that. Why? Because they were in a honeymoon period. They were perfect. You were perfect. You were, you know, dancing down, you know, streets of gold together and 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 you know, and finishing, you know, in the sand the little uh, heart pictures and you know and looking at seagulls and I, I mean and then it fades and then life kicks back in, and then you start seeing the person for who they are. Well sometimes that that's how it is in the Christian realm in in their act of faith. There's people they're in that honeymoon period, man, they they love the benefits, they love Jesus, they they love how they feel good, they love how people love them and you know there's acceptance, but then all of a sudden the honeymoon period starts to fade. And when it starts to fade, then sometimes people's faith begins to fade. So it's a grace period. I think every person needs that, <laughs> especially if you get married, you need you need to See that there is no wrong, so that when you see that they have wrongs, it's not that bad. And that thing is called in love. Say in love. Okay. That, the little butterflies fade. The quote-unquote in love period fades. Then there's genuine commitment. How many of us know that love isn't really a feeling? It's more of an action. But we love the feeling. Love is is more than an emotion. It's an action. It's how you act every day. And so some people, they fall in love with Jesus, and guess what? They fall out of love with Jesus as well. So that's the person that's on the, the rocky ground there. Okay? So receive it with joy, all that stuff. These people are kind of like a firework. They put on a lot of noise. There's a loud display. It's beautiful. But then it fades quickly fizzes out. I call that the firework Christian. <laughs> I've seen a lot of those. They come in, they're excited, you know, they're bright colors, boom, and then tss, fade out. It's because a lot of times people, they look at this Christian walk, and they think it's a sprint, when in actuality, it's a marathon. And so if you aren't trained to run a marathon, you're gonna get dog-tired real quick. And so this this thing is, it's, it's a long, that's why it says, Jesus says, to him who endures to the end will be saved. There's a lot of people that have a real strong start, but friends, it's not about having a strong start, it's about having a strong finish. Okay? It reminds me of when, uh, a few years ago when we had kids camp, and, uh, and I, had, I was over the section where we were doing some calisthenics, and so I'd have them do push-ups and sit-ups, and we'd run. And so the one, the one uh, morning... Uh, we were at Camp Machendo. It's about a mile and a half around, around the lake. It's not too bad. So I told the kids, um, I told them it was a mile, and I said, we're going to run around that. So, so I'm like, pace yourself. You want to make sure that you pace yourself. So we got started. I'm telling you, there's kids. They bolted out like pew. I mean, just as fast as they could go. They're just going. And so I had, there was a handful of kids that stayed with me, and so we started running. Guess what? After about probably a minute or two, I saw those kids walking as I'm passing by them what did they do they ran real fast i mean they burst phew, they want to be the fastest but then they didn't pace themselves but then obviously we encourage people to you know and we went like people finish and then they went back and help people finish and all that other stuff but that's how it is in some people's spiritual walk they, they boom man they're like brown but then man i mean you get tired out if you run you can't run full throttle all the time you got to pace yourself okay enough on that galatians chapter five one verse and then we're going to go to number three Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 and 9, it says, you were running such a good race, who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? This kind of of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you, only a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. There are people, that's why, friends, it's imperative in in our walk with Christ that people that, that could pull us away or that are bad influences, bad company corrupts good character, that Those people we might have to say bye-bye to. It says, who cut in on you? Paul's telling the Galatians that there was a person that did that. So, okay, number three, seed among the thorns. Okay, this seed fell among the thorns or weeds, making it unfruitful. Now, this is a more of a mature soil because it didn't say that it didn't have roots. It didn't wither quickly. It just had things around it that kept it from being unfruitful. The scripture didn't say that the plant died, just that it didn't have the capacity to bear fruit. It says the cares of this world. What are the cares of this world? Friends, I I guarantee you that there are things that the enemy will uh, place in our life to distract us. Say distract. There's this this nice word, it's called busy, B-U-S-Y. We got an acronym for that, being under Satan's yoke. Because when you're busy, 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 Scripture even talks about not being busybodies. When you're busy, 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 you can't quiet yourself to hear from the Lord. You can't quiet yourself to kind of redirect yourself to know what's God saying, where's God at, how can I get to him? Okay, sometimes we can get so busy that we don't consider listening. Scripture says we need to have ears to hear. We can go from day to day, taking care of all of our problems and all of our stuff, but never really produce the fruit that comes from spending time with Jesus. Okay, now the scripture talks about bearing fruit. We see this with Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10. One was busy, busy, busy. One was sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus told Martha, when Martha was trying to tattle on her, on Mary, who was sitting doing nothing, said that she chose the better thing. Meaning, friends, there's going to be times, did Jesus care about how clean their house was? Not really. Do we care about how clean our house is? Yes, we do. Many of us, if Jesus was to come in this place and say, hey, I want to come to your house, would say, hold up, stand outside, Jesus, let me straighten up. (laughs) i got to tidy up for Jesus. He doesn't care about all that. But sometimes we can be distracted by all the things that are around us and not, Spending time with the one who is there, the reason why he was there. And so we just got to be very careful about being busy and distracted and all these things. When you find yourself being busy and distracted, you'll also find yourself complaining. If you don't find yourself sitting, you'll find yourself complaining. So be careful. Because at this church plant, there's lots of stuff. We're doing stuff over and over. I mean, it's kind of monotonous that we have to set up and tear down and set up and tear down. And I know people are praying for a building. They're like... Yes, Lord! <laughs> but, friends, let's not become discouraged in doing these things. Let's not grow weary in doing these things, because then we'll find ourselves complaining, and we don't want to do that, because this is all for Jesus. Okay? First Timothy chapter 5, verse 11 through 13, it says, uh, As for younger widows, do not put them on the... Okay, okay, hold on, let's pass that... Um, It says, uh, besides getting in the habit of being idle and going about from house to house, not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense saying things they ought not to do. What's that? Being busy. Being a busybody, or the the word, I kind of underlined that word idler there, basically, it means being unfruitful. When your car isn't idle, it's not going anywhere. You're burning up gas, and it's sitting there. There's no fruit. The vehicle was created, made, and manufactured. And if it's a Jeep, it was made by my brother right here to get you from point A to point B. But if it's sitting there running and it's idle, it's not doing its purpose. It's not bearing fruit for you. It's actually burning up your gas because maybe you're waiting for your spouse who's in the grocery store, or maybe they decide, you know, I mean, and so the vehicle was, was made to get you from point A to point B. When it's an idol, it's unfruitful. And so uh, Paul is telling Timothy that there are people that become idlers, meaning they're just, you know, they're not doing anything. They're busybodies, they're gossips, they talk stuff they shouldn't not talk about. That's why we gotta be careful being busy, because I believe that that's one of the strategies of the enemy to get us so busy doing all of our stuff, and we're taking this person to sports, and we're doing this, and we're taking care of our spouse, and we're doing our work, and all this other stuff, and then what happens? we find ourselves becoming tired, maybe grumbling and complaining like Martha, and then overall unfruitful. The Lord wants us to be fruitful. You know that? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15. It says, "See to it that no one falls short from the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many." We can become unfruitful. Moreover, we can become a person if we don't if we don't allow ourselves to sit before the Lord and allow ourselves to be fed by Him. We can actually become a hindrance to someone else. Be careful! Remember, remember I said above all else, do what: guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. And it says the deceitfulness of wealth. It says. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the plant, make it unfruitful. So there are a lot of people, there. what? They're chasing money, they're chasing wealth, they're chasing work, you know, it's about stuff and, you know, bigger and better and the American dream and all this other stuff. And the scripture says that it chokes out your fruitfulness. So just be careful. I, I don't, okay, I believe that the Lord, okay, wants to prosper us. I believe that. I believe, you know, the scripture says that when we, when we follow the Lord, I love what it says in Joshua. It says when we, uh, when, when the book of the law does not depart from our mouth, it says we'll be prosperous and successful in all we do. I believe the Lord wants us to be prosperous and successful. But we got to be careful that we don't fall into the American dream and now our, we, we think our success is having stuff. Because that's, that's one of the traps that keeps us from being fruitful. So we just got to be very careful with that. Last one here. This is a good one. The good soil. Everybody's like, whew, we went through those three, yes. Now it's time to talk about the good soil. Yeah, come on. I want to be good soil. If you want to be good soil, say amen. Amen. Come on, let's do that one more time. If you want to be good soil, say amen. amen. Yes, Lord, I want to be good soil. Make every effort, friends, to be good soil. Be good soil. Hear and understand. Again, I said ask questions. Be fruitful with your life. Scripture says that you will have a 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. I hope to be 100, but friends, if I'm only producing 30, God is pleased. God was just as pleased with the person that had five talents with the one that had two because they multiplied. God was pleased. Okay? And I want to say this, too, because sometimes we get in this thing in in church where we like to compare ourselves to people. Friends, don't compare your 30 with somebody else's 100. Don't do it. It's a trap of the enemy. Don't compare your 60 with somebody else's 30. I'm doing, I'm doing more than them. I'm doing 60. They're only doing 30. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's a trap. So compare yourself to others. If you want to compare yourself, compare yourself to Jesus, who the Scripture says that he's always working. <laughs> he never takes a break. My Father is always at work. Okay? The fact that you are fruitful is all that God cares about. It's not how much. It's just that we're bearing fruit. Jesus, when he looked at the fig tree and he looked for it to have fruit, when it didn't have fruit, he cursed it. I don't want to be cursed by Jesus. I want to bear fruit. Amen? Come on, somebody. I want to bear fruit. And even John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, he said that the talking about people's lives, the tree that does not produce fruit will be what? Cut down and thrown into the fire. So, friends, you got to have fruit. Say, I got to have fruit. And what's that mean? What's fruit? What's that mean to have, to have fruit, having a fruitful life? Well, one of the easiest ways, since we're talking about fruit, let's go ahead and compare it to Galatians chapter 5 that talk about the fruit of the Spirit. So these things should be evident in your life, which are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And if you don't have those things in your life, it's okay because the thing about fruit is it grows, my mom she planted some trees in her back of her yard. She lives uh, out in Oregon and so she planted a peach tree and an apple tree and a cherry tree. And so I believe I don't again correct me if I'm wrong just go ahead and tell me. You're saying it wrong. I believe for an apple tree you have to like let it produce fruit for like 7 years before you can actually eat from the trees. So sometimes it takes time. Takes time. So if you're looking at your life and you're like, I don't know if I'm fruitful. Are, are you responding to the Lord? Well, yeah. Then chill out. The Lord, it says the fruit of the Spirit. You don't produce in yourself love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The Holy Spirit produces that in you. As you're responding to Him, you'll start seeing those things in our life. Because some of us, yeah. You know what the thing is? Is If you have the first and the last, if you have the bookends, all the things in the middle come with it. If you can have love and self-control, then you can get all the rest. Yeah, because I want joy. I want peace. Lord knows I need gentleness. Lord knows. That's like, that's like the one fruit of the Spirit for me that just, it's the one that's like the smallest. <laughs> it's like the little puny one right there, the gentleness. I need that to be a little bit bigger. Chance on this. Lord, help me. Just. The scripture says, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, it says, by, f- by their fruit, you will what? Know them. So if a person's out on the street and they're acting crazy and they're cussing they're hooting and hollering, what does the fruit say about the person? Okay, they're not living for Jesus, obviously. So if you see a person that's, that's walking in joy, that's, that's trying to bring peace, not that you don't make mistakes, but you start seeing these things evident in their life, what is the fruit saying about them? That Christ is working in their life. So there should be an inward work inside of us that has an outward action. Does that make sense? Good, I'm glad one person got it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, friends, it's sad that only one in four fruits, one in four soils are fruitful. Okay, we have the enemy, he's against us, he's against the word, he's against the saints. And so, <laughs> there are multiple attacks on your life to make you unfruitful. He'll try to snatch the seed, okay, he'll try to wither the plant, he'll try to bring distractions, because he his job is to make you unfruitful. But friends, do all that you can to guard your heart, to be the good soil. Make every effort to be the good soil. We have the enemies of God against the word. Satan, worldly concerns, riches, pleasures. And then we have fruitfulness in various degrees. If if you're a 30, then be a 30 and be the best 30. If you're a 60, then be a 60 and be the best 60. If you're a 100, then be 100 and be the best 100. In scripture, there were leaders, there were generals over armies. It said some were over tens, some were over hundreds, some were over thousands. What? They had leadership ability according to what they could do. So God's not looking at you and saying, okay, you got to be doing what I do, or that you got to be doing what Jonas does, or you got to be doing what Frank does, or you got to be doing what Paul does. No, God looks at you and He wants you to do what He created you to do. To me, that's liberating, that's freeing. Because that means the Lord has called me to plant churches and it doesn't have to look like Cedar Creek and it doesn't have to look like Stephen Furtick's church and it doesn't have to look like uh, Pastor Chad over at Maumee. I don't have to compare myself to all those and all those are great ministries and great people and they have great leaders. But I'm going to stand accountable for what I'm doing and what God has called me to do. And then the same is for you. And so friends, what soil is your heart today? What soil is your heart? Has it been hardened are there rocks in there that's kind of gotten in there? Are the things of this world, deceitfulness of wealth, are they kind of choking out the plant? Or friends, are you the good soil? Only you know. Would you stand to your feet with me today? you can't take anything away, if that was just like too much information and you just like Burr, too much, friends, take away two things. Number one, make every effort to be good soil. And number two, above all else, guard your heart. If you can take away that, please take that away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for how good you are. And Lord, we want to be men and women that guard our heart. God, there's so many things out there that, God, they, they, want, to, they want to taint her walk hmm I'm just thinking about what you said when you spoke in the book of James and you talked about what's real religion what's true religion it's looking and taking care of orphans and widows and keeping oneself from being spotted by this world so father would you give us the capacity in our hearts and our minds to keep ourselves from being spotted and blemished by all the things all the distractions all the things the enemy has god there's just perversion god there's lust god there's 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 all of these different things distractions they want to take precedence in our heart god we don't want to be men and women that i, I that idolize ourselves or idolize our career god or or idolize our families we want to keep you where you belong as as head of our life so right now, would you just do a heart work in us, God? Would you do an inventory in us, Holy Spirit? And God, we just repent. I lead, the, I lead the charge. God, I repent of God the times that God that the enemy puts thoughts in my mind and I begin to get proud and puffed up. God, I just repent and I rebuke pride and arrogance in the name of Jesus. Father, I want to walk in humility. I want to clothe myself with humility, like it says in 2 Peter chapter 5. God, I don't want to think of myself more highly than I ought. <laughs> as it says in the, in the book of Romans. God, I want to consider others better than myself. God, help me to continue to be a man. I'm, I'm, I'm praying out loud my own prayer. <laughs> help me to continue to be a servant who serves their, who serves my family, God. Help me to serve, God, your church and this church, God, with all my heart. Help me to serve you with all that I've got. Help me to keep you first. Lord, we just say again, would you be king and Lord of our life? I yield myself to you again today, Daddy. You're a good God. You're a good Father. Jesus. And God, would you just God, would you help me to recognize misconceptions in my mind? There are there there are, there are some people in here, you have a misconception. There's somebody in here that has a misconception that you feel like God wants you to do all of these things, that you got to like be busy and doing all these things. And 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 that that's a misconception. The Lord doesn't want you doing a bunch of stuff. He wants you to know that he's with you, that he just wants to spend time with you. As I was praying, I just kind of felt that kind of just pop in there, that there's somebody in their heart, they have a misconception that they have to, it's almost like they have to earn their, their right with God. You don't have to earn it. Christ paid for it for you. And, even, and you don't have to do more stuff to, earn, uh, to get better gold stamps with Jesus. Not that you're supposed to be lazy in your Christian walk, but, but just, I just pray against that that concept, that mindset that we have to do to earn favor with you, God. We just, I just break that lie and that deception in the name of Jesus, for it's by grace through faith, not by works that no man can boast. Jesus, love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father if you're in here and you're struggling with your, ident- ident- your identity, I pray that you would find your identity in Christ. Many of us men, we find our identity in our job, what we do, but I just pray it's a misconception. God, I just pray, God, that that mindset would be broken off our hearts and minds. God, that we wouldn't find pride in what we do, but God, that we would, God, we would find our value in who you are in us, God. And ladies, the same thing. Just saying that from a man, I just know as men, we like to strut our stuff. Father, we just want to be men and women that yield ourselves to you wholeheartedly with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. So, Lord, we just, again, give you permission. Just go ahead right here. Just give God permission to move around move around the, the furniture of your living room, of your heart. Giving you permission. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like that. They like they like this there and that there and that there. But just, you know, in a spiritual sense, just say, God, I give you I give you permission to move things around in my life the way that you want them to happen. And sometimes that's going to hurt a little bit. But you know what? I guarantee you he's going to place those things exactly where they need to go. And when he does it, friends, it's such an awesome work. God can do in our life in 15 seconds what it's taken us 15 years to try to uh, try to fix ourselves. So Lord, would you just do it? Isn't he good? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, God bless you. Thank you for joining with us today.